We want to welcome everyone to tonight's study of the book of Revelation. We'll be in Revelation chapter number 12 tonight, continuing where we left off last week. You remember we looked at last week where the, the veil was kind of pulled back a little bit, and John's able to see into what's taking place in heaven. And there's a great spiritual battle battle that's taking place there. The ungodly and, and evil um, is trying to overcome God. And of course, we know that that won't work. But we see how that that how that conflict, that struggle that's taking place in heaven pours out upon the earth. Since Satan was unable to unseat God, his desire now is to uh, cut the very heart of God. And he does that by taking God's prized creation, his prized people, uh, the nation of Israel and, and the Gentiles even, and trying to, trying to condemn us into hell um, any way that he can. And we've seen throughout since the very, very beginning that his goal to get us to disobey God, to get us to turn our back on God, to get us to to forget about God. Um, he's got so many different tactics, but the end goal is the same. We see that rampage of the, the devil against God, and we'll see that it's going to intensify during the end times. And we're seeing in our study that intensity that's taking place. I personally believe we can see that intensity, even though we're not in the great tribulation time at, at, at current, I believe we can see that in our in culture today. Um, how Satan has tricked people to turn their backs upon God, to deny God. And we reap the benefits of it as a, as a nation. We reap the benefits of it as a world. Um, it's hard pressed now to find a place in the world that's safe like it used to be. Um, th there were many pockets all around the, the world, even when I was little, where you didn't lock your doors. You didn't have to worry about being accosted. But now you go out at night and, you know, you go into the, the town, you go into the city and you got to be watching what's around you, what's happening, because you never know what's going to take place anymore. Our world has degraded so much that small town charm and life is almost non-existent. Uh, thankfully, there's still a few pockets of it out there, but but it's getting harder and harder to find in our country and, and in other countries. Um, when we travel on our mission trips and things, you know, it's we warn people, don't get lulled into that false sense of security. You know, there's a reason why there are uh, men on the corner with guns. There's a reason why the stores are hiring armed security. There's a reason why people have um, broken bottles uh, cemented on the top of their fences and, and why there's razor ribbon around houses and walls. There's a reason because the crime has gotten so bad as, as Satan has got us to turn our backs more and more upon God. I believe we also see that wrath being poured out in nature. <coughs> Excuse me. In nature, where things are more and more intense. We had a, a record year this year in hurricanes. Um, and the Pacific is having a, a banner year as well. The number and in the intensities uh, of storms that are, are hitting the Philippines and other places. And it, I believe that this is all a ramping up as we're seeing this, um, not just the wrath of God, but the wrath of, of Satan being poured out on God's creation. So we're going to look tonight in, in chapter number 12, verse number six is where we'll start. It says, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed here, feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. So we see this woman, and last week, if you remember, we talked about the woman. The woman, of course, is Israel, and we see how that that this woman is being attacked by by Satan, is being um, challenged by Satan, being persecuted by Satan, and so now we see that she's escaped. But there's a couple of things I, I want you to see. This time period that's taking place, this is happening in the great tribulation that last three and a half years the um of the of the tribulation period when you read it 
it's easy to see some of the Holocaust that have taken place in um, in recent history, uh, particularly that the Holocaust that took pl- place in Nazi Germany. But when you realize that this isn't, that this is far worse than the Holocaust that took place there, that this is actually going to be taking place during the uh, last three and a half years. That's what the that little time frame is meant by there. We're going to see that the struggle for the believers of soul is, is taking place, not just in a spiritual realm, but also here on earth during this time. Uh, this intense struggle uh, for the souls of Israel and for other believers. This isn't just about uh, Israel, the redeemed Israel. This is also about all the believers on the earth. We've already seen the the mass that have been persecuted, and we're going to continue to see that um, going forward in our studies now. As that as the uh, Satan uses the Antichrist to, to launch that that war against um, the um, against the Jews and against the the children of God, we're going to see that that um, it, the the intensity of that is going to be so extreme that it's going to be difficult for for us even to study, much less to to have to see it the way John is is seeing it now, or those that are actually living through it. The scripture. Um, here we see the the forces. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead. There's so much I want to cover tonight. But this is is the period of time that's referred to as the, the Great Tribulation. This Holocaust that's going to be launched against the Gentile believers and the, the Jews at that time. Um, a lot of people don't realize that even in our time, when uh, or just prior to my time, when Nazi Germany was committing the Holocaust, that it, it wasn't just about the Jewish people, that Christians were also executed uh, by the millions. Um, and it was a time that pretty much anybody that, that had any godliness about them uh, was being persecuted by the Nazi regime and being executed. We focus a lot on the Jews because uh, by far their numbers were the largest, but there was uh, a lot of Christians that were also persecuted for no other reason other than they were Christians. They wouldn't um, give in to the state religion of Nazism. And we're going to see that during the end times as well. Um, it's just one of the reasons why it's important for us to study history. And I think one of the reasons why the world is trying to um, tone down history, if you will, they're trying to eliminate history. They're trying not to get us to, to study. There are many college professors out there. There are many um, supposedly learned men who deny the Holocaust even took place, even though the evidence of it is overwhelming. If they're, if they're already talking about that, if they're already trying to say that the Holocaust didn't exist, the Nazi Germany Holocaust What's going to happen a generation from now? We have people who are alive on the earth that suffered during the Holocaust that can bear witness to it. But another generation, we won't have that witness anymore. But I think one of the reasons why Satan is, is so concerned about the Holocaust that have already taken place on this earth is because he doesn't want us to see the horror, um, even in, in a smaller situation as the Nazi Holocaust. He doesn't want, to see us, want us to see the horror of what's still to come. So let's continue. Verse number seven. The one other thing I want to point out before we go, notice when it says that she had to flee into the, the wilderness, it says the woman fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God. Notice that even, even in her persecution, even in, during that time, God had prepared a place. This isn't something that caught God off, off guard. This is something that he was expecting. This is something he knew that was going to take place. And, and he, he's given this wonderful promise that is a promise for all those that follow him, that that even when persecution comes, he's prepared a place for us. He's prepared a way for us to avoid that, to get out of that, to be protected. This isn't saying that they were that none of them died because we know uh, hundreds of thousands will die 
but this is a, a way that God is even protecting them during this horrible, horrible time. Verse number seven of chapter number 12 of Revelation. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which de deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So we see this veil being lifted again so that we're able to see what's taking place in heaven, and we see a, a war taking place in heaven. We see um, Michael, the archangel, fighting against Satan, Lucifer, fighting and known as Satan at this point. And we see that these forces of spiritual are struggling against each other. Um, the Bible teaches us and shows us there's a certain hierarchy that takes place among angels. And when we, we look at the, the hierarchy of angels, we see the, the archangels. It's typically believed that there are three archangels, or there were three archangels, um, Michael, Gabriel, and um, uh, Lucifer. Um, of course, we know that Lucifer became Satan and fell. Michael is, is portrayed as being the 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 greatest of the angels that are that are there in heaven. He's the, the one of the archangels that serves directly, uh, uh, serves God directly. And we see that there are angels that are um, in different positions, different hierarchy. And the same thing happens among the demonic uh, clan. There's a certain hierarchy that takes place there. Um, as far as Michael go in, in scripture, he's uh, presented being above the other angels. He seems to be a, a prime administrator of the uh, of God to do God's will and to, to lead the angels. He's pictured as a, a guardian type of angel over some over God's people as well. So the spiritual war will be fought in the end time between the, the forces of good and the forces of evil. Satan and his angels will attempt to do what they've always done to stamp out Israel and the followers of Christ. But there'll be one big difference. Verse 12 tells us what that is. It, it, we, when we get down there, you'll see it. But, but in verse 12, it tells us that Satan knows that his time is short. He knows that it's ending. He knows this, this is almost the very, very end. So because of that, he's accelerating the process. He's doing everything that he can to try and, and eliminate um, the children of Israel, to try and do as much harm to the heart of God as he can possibly do, to wipe every Jew and every believer off the earth. Um, simply because he knows that everyone who is killed will never be able to accept Christ, never be able to bear the testimony that they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, if he's able to kill them ahead of time. But notice though, what the glorious outcome of this battle is. Satan is finally cast out of heaven. Now, Satan, there's a big misconception in, in popular culture today that Satan lives in hell. Satan doesn't live in hell. Satan lives here on the earth, but he has access to heaven. We see several places in the, in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, where he has access to heaven. We see that in the, the story of Job. We see it in some places, even in the New Testament, where it says that he, he, he comes before God to, to be the accuser of us. So he has that access. Uh, I guess being a former archangel, it gives him that access. But at this point in time, when he fights with, with Michael, there is a um, casting out. He's cast out of heaven. Uh, he no longer has that ability to stand before God and accuse us anymore. Uh, he's no longer the accuser. He's cast out. And of course, that is going to anger him even more. He won't have access. Uh, he won't be able to accuse us before God ever again. Um, 
one little little sidebar here. There are some of the cults that teach because of this account, they teach that Michael and Jesus are the same being. Michael is a created angel, just like Lucifer was a created angel. Uh, Michael is not Jesus Christ. The two of them are two completely separate entities. Um, Michael is an angel and Jesus Christ is not an angel. So if you hear that, and probably the Jehovah Witness cult is probably the, the one that promotes that the most. They promote that those two are the same and they're both created. They actually promote that that, that Lucifer and uh, Michael are brothers and that they both came up with a plan to redeem mankind. And Michael's plan was to be a sacrifice. And uh, Lucifer's plan was a plan of works. And that's what, why Satan, that's why Lucifer was cast out. Of course, that doesn't, that sounds nice and make a good uh, TV movie, but that's not how it's detailed out in the Bible. That's not how it's scripted out in the Bible. It's something much, much different. Satan was never one to come up with a plan of salvation for the people of the earth. His desire was to control. And when he couldn't control, he decided to destroy. Verse number 10. <clears throat> and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. We see that the, um, this voice, this loud voice that declares in, in, in heaven. And this voice is not the voice of God. If you notice who this voice is, if you notice in verse number 10, it says, I heard a loud voice saying, in heaven now is, is come the salvation, the strength of the kingdom of our God, the power of Christ for the accuser of our brethren. So this isn't the voice of God because we are not the brethren of God. These are the believers that have gone on. These are the believers that are already in heaven speaking out in unison. Uh, they're crying out in, in victory on behalf of God, but this is the brethren that are already there. These are the Christians and the Jews that have already died, that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, or those that were raptured and taken up. That um, These are, in essence, these are God's people who are, are now speaking out from heaven um, for their brothers. They, they'll declare the great salvation of our God. God is ready to launch the, the glorious days of salvation, the, the day of redemption, to, to bring every person who has ever trusted him into eternity. God is ready to save the whole world. They uh, proclaim the great strength of God, uh, which has already been de demonstrated, uh, and Satan will, will have to be de will be defeated and and cast in, into uh, and he's been defeated and he cast out of heaven and soon to be cast into hell. The great kingdoms of our God are are now ready. The great kingdom of our God is now ready to be established. Um, the the finally what he's been talking about this entire time, what's been leading up to this entire time, is about to happen. Um, and the power of Christ and the Messiah is proven. We're seeing that being proven as a result of these things taking place. The result of God's salvation will be glorious. So number one, like we said, Satan will be barred from heaven, no longer able to accuse the believers. Um, he's going to be cast out. He'll be cut off from the heavenly places. The weapons used to gain this victory, I think it's very important that we spend a little bit of time looking at, the, at how this was done. It says, first of all, it was done by the blood of the Lamb. And then it says it was by the word of their testimony. That is, by proclaiming the word of God and by continuing to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior is how they were able to do this. And then thirdly, it says by being loyal to Christ even to death. And we touched a little bit about that on our sermon this morning. But it used these three things. 
I think this is important for us to see here because even today, these are our tools. This is how we overcome and conquer Satan today is with these three weapons. One, we must be covered in the blood of the Lamb. We have to have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have to have accepted um, what he did for us on the cross. We have to be covered in his blood if we ever expect to have any victory over Satan. The world will not have victory over Satan because the world belongs to Satan. We belong to Christ. We were bought with a price. And the covering of that blood is the price that was paid. And that's the first step. Secondly, we have to have a strong testimony for Christ. We need to strongly proclaim the word of God and, and continue to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. No matter what the situation, no, how, no matter how awkward it is, no matter how untimely it may seem, we need to continue with our testimony before God. Um, the Bible talks about preaching or speaking in season and out of season. And most of us are pretty good about speaking in season. Some of us are, are, aren't, but you know, uh, most of, most Christians are pretty good about preaching in season, but it's that out of season preaching that's uncomfortable. What is the difference between the two? Literally in season means when it's comfortable and out of season when it's not comfortable. Um, there are times like when we're at church where it's easy to talk about God. It's easy to talk about Jesus Christ. That would be in season. If you're called to to teach a Sunday school class, that's in season talking. That's that's the simple times. The difficult times are when you're at your workplace or when you're at a family gathering. You know, um, some of us will be going to family gatherings. Uh, no, not a lot of us anymore because of what's going on in the world right now. But there'll be people, Christians all across this country, they're going to be going home to their families and their families don't know Christ. And they don't want to have that awkward conversation. So they that's that out of season preaching, that out of season talking and telling that they don't want to do. But if we're going to have defeat, if we're going to win, um, defeat Satan, we need to have that those kind of conversations, even when it's not comfortable. Even when people don't necessarily want to hear, they still need to hear. Um, and we must be loyal. We must be loyal to Christ even unto death. And again, we touched a little bit about that today as well. Um, many parts of the country we see, or many parts of the world we see that. Uh, I know our, our media tries to sterilize that, keep it from us, but it's not difficult to find uh, on the internet and in some national or some uh, international news sources. It's not difficult to find the, the Christians that are being persecuted and executed almost on a daily basis around the world simply because they will not reject Jesus Christ. Um, and as long as they won't reject Jesus Christ, Satan is going to continue to do that. But they have victory. It may look like they've lost because they've been beheaded for, for Christ's sake. But but when they give up their life for Christ, they actually have the victory. Um, <clears throat> verse number 12. We've got to keep moving on. I'm going to run out of time here. It says, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the, and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. That was with the verse I referenced a little while ago where it says about uh, Satan knowing that the time is almost up. He knows he's running out of time. Um, Satan is, is uh, the earth is being warned because Satan is, is being cast down. Um, he will be even, basically he's going to have one chance now to, to, in his mind, to wreck the world before he's condemned. Um, and he's going to do everything he can to destroy it. He's going to do everything he can. Um, the Antichrist is, is being raised up, um, and it's uh, um, to be raised up to judge the people of the earth, uh, to be judged the earth because of their ungodliness. Uh, we see that today where you know, we, we look at the Bible, and 
and it seems unfathomable to us that that we would worship um, the government, that we would worship and follow an antichrist that would direct us to worship the government. But all it takes, and we're seeing that played out today, all it takes is for the the right temptation, the right free thing, and people go out in in droves to support an ungodly candidate. Um, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much because of the ungodliness and evil of the world that when things happen, and you know, even now we're having cries for the government to do more about the pandemic because uh, so many so many people in our country and even Christians in our country are expecting the government to to bring us unity, are expecting the government to be our savior. And the government can never bring unity. The government can never be our savior. All the government does is make things worse. And we've seen that played out over and over and over. But yet we, we continue to look to the government as being some type of savior. Well, look at, take that and magnify that a thousand times in the time of tribulation. And you'll see how the people that are left here after the church is gone, the people that are left here will be begging the government to be their savior, to fix the problems. And at the beginning of the tribulation, they, the, the Antichrist, he actually does offer some, some solutions and some things for a temporary fix to help people. But as they continue to worship and they continue to turn away from God, it gets worse and worse and worse. Um, that's what's being pictured in this. Uh, Satan cast out of heaven, knowing he has a brief time, and therefore he stirs up the Antichrist and the governments and, and every power that he can lay hold to on this earth to bring persecution to Israel and bring persecution to the believers. <clears throat> Verse number 13. And when the dragon that was cast into the earth saw that, I'm sorry, Verse number 13, and when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness and to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as of a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which was the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we see a few more things happening here. We see that, that the, the dragon, the devil, will launch a terrible attack against the woman, of course, which is Israel and the believers. And he tells us four things here. It says, Satan will persecute the woman, Israel, and all the believers who refuse to deny Christ. Uh, there will be a holocaust that will be unparalleled. It'll make what took place in Germany look like nothing uh, in, in comparison. It's going to be so much worse and so much more vile. Um, it says that the woman, Israel, will be, and the believers will be delivered by the wings of an eagle. Now, I... I was reading one um, person, one, I don't know how to call him because I wouldn't call him scholarly, uh, at least not, not on this point, but but he was saying that he felt that the wings of an eagle was a picture of the United States swooping in to save Israel from Satan. Um, that's, I don't believe that's what's taking place here. I believe that that's wishful thinking because the, the one of the things that really distresses pastors in America is when we read the book of Revelation, we don't see the United States there. Um, just some very vague hints, but nothing as far as us being a dramatic player. Very literally, the wings of an eagle is a reference to God's protection. It has nothing to do with the United States. This isn't, you know, again, we've said this several times through this study. We can't, 
we have to be careful not to attribute earthly things to heavenly powers. Um, you know, we can't we can't reduce something down to our understanding just because it seems bigger than we can fathom. And this isn't talking about a nation here standing up for Israel and standing up against Satan, although that would be a beautiful picture of the United States if we ever were at that position, but we will never be at that point where we'd be able to face Satan. This is literally talking about um, uh, God's protection. In Exodus 19.4, he says, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bury you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. This is a phrase that he's used several times in the Bible to describe his protection, not the not the earthly protection of a nation, no matter how strong, no matter how powerful a nation is. It is not strong enough to stand against Satan and not strong enough to protect Israel. Next, we see the serpent will attempt to flood Israel and the believers after the trip with with tribulation after tribulation. That's the picture of the water being flowed out. It's not actual water that's coming out to drown them or wash them away. It's it's a flood of tribulations, a flood of persecutions. One thing after another thing after another thing. You know, kind of what we we've imagined so far in 2020, we see it just seems like every time we turn around there's some type of of a new problem, a new issue. But at this time it's gonna be magnified a thousand times. Um, and it, people are looking forward to a little sidebar here. People that are looking forward to January because they want to be done with 2020. Understand it's not about the year. It's about the people. And as long as we stand in disobedience to God, it doesn't matter what the calendar says. We're going to continue to have these problems. Um, they're going to continue to come one after another. But notice there is an enormous amount of help that comes from the earth. Um, there's speculation on what this is. Some people believe that that this is the the earth itself because of the natural disasters that have already taken place, that it's difficult for the Antichrist and for Satan to be able to per, uh, persecute the, the children of Israel and the believers the way they want because um, it's going to be difficult for them to maneuver. It's going to be difficult, difficult for them to enact what they want to enact because the, the earth is going to be so inhabitable and so difficult to get across the train and other things of that nature. Other people believe that that this is the um, the nations finally starting to wake up and see that what the Satan is doing and what the um, what the Antichrist are doing and and even though they're not necessarily believers in God, they're disbelievers, if you will, of of Satan and the Antichrist, and they're moving and working against him. Whichever one that is, um, it, it's something that's taking place here that is a positive for the children of Israel and the believers that there is some type of protection. And the world, even the worldly um, and the unsaved have, in history, have oftentimes stood up for the church and stood up for Christians. So that could very well be what this is. Um, something to think about. The attacks of Satan have always been devastating. Um, his attacks have been devastating to destroy human life. Um, we must, therefore, as Christians, stand fast. We must proclaim the victory of Christ over the devil. People can be saved through Jesus Christ alone. There is nothing else. Therefore, the, the glorious message of the salvation of Christ must be proclaimed to every man, every woman, every child. It doesn't matter what the persecution is taking place. It doesn't matter what's happening. We've had to reinvent the way we do some things at church because of the COVID, but COVID is not an excuse to shut down the church. And unfortunately, we've seen that across our country. We've seen churches that have literally just shut down. Preachers aren't preaching anymore. They're not pastoring anymore. And, you know, things are going to change. Things are different today than they were a year ago. They're different a year ago than what they were 100 years ago. 
and they're going to be different next year. And they're going to be different a hundred years from now, if Christ doesn't come back first. And it's not, none of that gives us an excuse to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should only embolden us even more. It should only help us to create new ways to get the gospel out there, to teach people. You know, it's, we live in a time where we're able to touch people through the internet, but at the same time we're touching through the internet, we can't lose sight of the fact that that still one-on-one, face-to-face is the best form of uh, of reaching people. That's the, the form that Jesus used most of all was one person at a time. Um, we need to be strong. We need to be focused. Uh, we need to proclaim this to every man, woman, and child. I'm going to leave you with two verses, three actually, because, well, four, because each one is two verses, but in Ephesians 6, 10, and 11, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil is simply his strategies or his techniques. And we need to be wise. We need to stand uh, firm and not in ourselves, but in God to do that. And then the other one is 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We have a job to continue to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, no matter how bad the persecution gets. We see that picture in, in the, the redeemed Israel at this point in our study. We see that in the believers. And we need to see that today in our churches and in our Christians.